Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We are here, I am here, live from Chicago, Illinois. We are a day ahead of Ohio State taking on Northwestern. And, uh, you know, it's a it's going to be a, a game more like most of the games for Ohio State this weekend. We imagine this is not going to be one of the, uh, one of the games like last week where Ohio State was in a dogfight. We don't expect, anyway, if, if anything... Uh, of that sort happens, then, then the Buckeyes haven't handled their business. So we're going to talk some Northwestern here in a little bit. But first, I wanted to hit on some other things, some national stuff, college football playoff rankings. And um, if you've been with us before, you obviously know how this works by now. Feel free to grab a drink and, and kick off the weekend. I just got to Chicago before this game, so uh, I have water. So the first time this year, I am uh, I'm not enjoying a beer with you guys, but that'll be all right. To talk uh, some of the national scene, we've we've brought in Bill Bender this week from the Sporting News. Bill, thanks for jumping on with us. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to see you. Um, I haven't seen you enough this year. You haven't been around as much. It's It's been a sad press box without you there. Well, I'll be there for uh, – there's this game at the end of the year on November 26th that we're trying not to look forward to too much that I'm sure I'll make uh, – I'm sure I'll be around for that one. Um, how's Evanston? Is it uh, – are you getting rained on? I heard what what's the weather like? I keep reading about that. Yeah, we got here. We're actually in Chicago, but we're going to drive up tomorrow, but it is raining. Not hard, but it is definitely raining. We flew in and you come down out of the clouds and it's just immediately wet on the plane. So, yeah, I mean, on the natural grass at Ryan Field, I imagine it's going to be one of those where those old school games, we get the uniforms dirty and everything. I think uh, you know, old school type of game that that should be fun. Um, let me ask you, as we move on to, to kind of talking national scene here, what did you, what were your initial takes on this college football playoff ranking? How much do you take away from that first playoff ranking? And just, just your general thoughts on, on what we learned on Tuesday night. I mean, I, I guess 
doing this for nine years, I don't react as much anymore. I mean, Ohio State at three doesn't really matter because they're going to be two in a week. As long as they take care of business tomorrow, they'll, they'll be two next week. And I've kind of contended that, that Georgia and Ohio State are the two best teams in the country all year. Now, Tennessee's throwing a wrench in that with that offense. So the top three is fine. Clemson over Michigan, that's fine too because it. I think they penalized Michigan a little bit for an atrocious non-league schedule, which yeah. isn't all – but on the other hand, Michigan, everything they need is in front of them. They play Illinois. They play Ohio State. It's not like the Big Ten champion's going to get in. And um, LSU at 10, bit of a surprise. So I, I think those are the things like that allow for the SEC bias narrative to kick off. But <laughs> in reality, to me, it's not really – that big of a deal. I, I think those five teams in the top 11 from the SEC are probably about where they should be with the exception of LSU. What I was going to ask you about, I had that marked down that LSU ranking. Cause I think that's the one that a lot of people looked at and were like, Whoa, you know, they, they obviously have the loss uh, to Tennessee. They have the loss at the beginning of the year to, to Florida state, a Florida state team. That's been okay this year, but you pay attention to the national scene probably more than, than a lot of our viewers what do you make of LSU? Where do you kind of where would you have stuck them in the rankings if if Bill Bender on Bill Bender's rankings? Uh, well, so I if you sort them by the two loss teams, I, yeah. I, I actually think the AP top twenty five for as much flack as voters get and people like to say pools don't matter. I always think it's pretty close, and maybe it's because I'm a sports writer and then mine's always the top twenty five that I put out there is typically pretty close. Um, I would have put I would stack Utah, LSU, Penn State as those two lost teams. Like how how are you going to stack them up? I'd probably put Utah ahead of LSU, but then people would fire back. Well, LSU beat Florida pretty bad, and Florida beat Utah, and that's fair. So, um, as far as one lost teams that maybe got a little disrespected at the cost of the SEC, I'd say TCU's one, and. Um, I like North Carolina right now. I, I think they're a dangerous team in the ACC with that offense around Drake May, who has numbers that are close. I'm not saying he's better, but his numbers are on par with Hendon Hooker and, and C.J. Stroud. I mean, that's just from the number standpoint. He's really good. From a purely Ohio State perspective, you, know, you mentioned it. Whether you're one, two, three, four, it, it doesn't matter. You're in the playoff, and that's the goal, right? So – but I, I do think that there is an advantage. And I was looking at this week. I think the only time the number one seed hasn't made the national championship was 2014 when Ohio State beat Alabama. So there does seem to be an inherent advantage to beating that or playing that fourth seeded team who is generally the weakest of the field. And sometimes it's by quite a bit. How much stock do you put into getting to that number one seed and do you think if Ohio State handles its business, they are there? Or is there some work that still needs to be done because of the likes of Georgia and Tennessee? I think the the one seed, and this is also a geography type thing, is mm -hmm. I don't want to be in Atlanta if I'm an Ohio State team because you're going to – I does it matter, matter? Not really. But, I mean, yeah, if, if you're down in Atlanta and have to play at Georgia or Tennessee, it's probably going to be 60-40 the other way. And yeah. – and, does the crowd matter? No, but I, I think for Georgia and Tennessee, it does to, to get to Atlanta instead of playing in the other semifinal. Um, it would matter for Alabama if they were able to slip into the playoff. It would matter for Clemson to play in Atlanta. So, but for Ohio State's standpoint, I don't think it, you know, they're, they're going to have to go down there one way or the other and play a talented SEC team probably. Or if they get the one seed, I guess that's that if you were shaping out the playoff right now, you'd be like, okay, Alabama, then a Tennessee Georgia rematch or Ohio state, then a Tennessee Georgia rematch and Ohio state plays Clemson. And I think Clem Ohio state's definitively better than Clemson right now. I, that could change, I suppose. But if they play Clemson head to head, I think it could resemble like the last time they played in the college football playoff. It wouldn't be pretty for Clemson. Well, and I wonder too, given the, that, that, they're likely to play a Southern team if they would choose to go out to Phoenix, if they're the one seed, you know, that has worked out well more times than not Buckeye fans. Oh yeah. Whether they travel out there, whether they live out there, they, they tend to show up out West. Right. So I wonder if Ohio state would just, you know, look, we'll, we'll travel. They, I was 
somebody asked me about that this week, and I have to look it up. Like, when's the last time they've done a have they ever done a bowl game in Atlanta? Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I'm a Lancaster guy, and they're you know Atlanta's not a big fan of Lancaster because it, <laughs> it's where William Sherman was born. So I'm pulling that history lesson out for people. But um, you know, it, they haven't it. But like you said, the Fiesta Bowl track record of success is um very very well documented. Um, you know, all the way back to the Miami game, the Kansas State right. game. They, they've played there a lot. I think a lot of Ohio State grads retire out that way, too. So it would be a – if they got a one seed and you pull Georgia out there or or any of those Southern schools, it would be a distinct home field advantage for Ohio State, in my opinion. Yeah, Steve Steve Hellwagon is is my roommate for uh, for this this very trip. Uh, he is still getting the rental car. I took an Uber over here. But he if he were here, I'm sure he would know off the top of his head if they'd played a bowl game in Atlanta. I can't recall one, but he tends to know that stuff yeah, better than I Ohio do. Ohio State ever been to the Peach Bowl? I mean, I guess that's the question. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. But regardless, uh, I think the, the main message, and, and I wrote about this this week, was if you're Ohio State – Look, the committee seems to value big wins. It's why Tennessee's number one. They've got two top 10, according to the committee rankings, uh, wins. So if you're Ohio State, you've got Michigan you on your schedule. And, and maybe an Illinois team who, if they keep winning, would be a top 15 team or so in the Big Ten Championship. But, you know, I, I think it matters. I don't know if it matters a ton. Um, and for those of you tuning in live, if you have any questions for Bill about the, the national college football scene, his opinions on Ohio State, feel free to throw them in the comment section. We'll try and get those while we got them. Uh, but, Bill, if there is a team that maybe no one's talking about a lot that you think could sneak into the college football playoff based on what those first rankings were, who might that be? I think North Carolina, I mentioned them. Uh, a Pac-12 team. A, a, like, can that be an answer? A, a Pac-12 team, like sure. that slips. In. I, you know, the one of the Pac-12 teams that interests me most is this is an obvious answer, but USC with mm-hmm. Caleb Williams. Can they bounce back, run the table? They they don't leave the state of California for the next month. They've got three home games in Notre Dame in there. They've got a trip to UCLA. I think if they played Oregon in the Pac-12 championship and won, that they would have a very good playoff case. Not to mention. The, the guy that right now sits third in all the Heisman pools in Caleb Williams. So they're a very interesting team to me. I mentioned, like I said, I mentioned the Tar Heels. Can't really think of anybody else. I guess Illinois would be the most off-the-wall answer I can give you, but I mean, it's in front of them, right? If they yeah. were to go to Michigan and win and somehow beat Ohio State, what I would ask you, i I'd throw this back on you, what do you think the pushback would be on Illinois Big Ten champion if they ran the table Knowing that they lost to Indiana in that weird game, and I remember watching that game in September, they they weren't the same team then that right. they are right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's why you play the games throughout the season, right? Like some teams aren't going; you're going to evolve as a team throughout the season. Even even the top teams, you look at Georgia, Ohio State. You know, no one was talking about Tennessee at the beginning of the season, right? And Ohio State's changed; that defense keeps getting better even though it was pretty good to start the year and, and CJ Stroud, the running game was good. And now it's not so good. Yeah. I think that's kind of why you go through the course of the season instead of just doing a, a top four right at the beginning of the year and, and being done with it. But yeah, Illinois is an interesting one. Cause as you mentioned, you know, you, you get, you, you if they can win the big 10 championship as a one loss team and then, well, and then does it, what happens with Ohio state say they beat Ohio state in the narrow big 10 championship game. And I don't think they would, be anywhere near favorites in that game if Ohio State's a one loss narrow loss to Illinois who is a top 15 team could you argue putting Ohio State in along with Illinois I think you could and I still think you know the Ohio State Michigan debate that's going to get going here in a few weeks yeah uh, you know I was asked on 97-1 this week uh is that an elimination game Anthony Rothman asked me that and I I really had to think about it like I know you go on there a lot too and then you get stuck because I'm like I think so. Um, <laughs> but, you know, from Ohio State's standpoint, they would use against them that it was a home game. I think the Illinois loss, they would use a little bit more, even though, like I said, I think the Illini are a good team. When they play Michigan in a few weeks, that's got 21-17 Big Ten bully ball written all over it. You know, yeah, a two-and-a-half, nice two-and-a-half-hour game. Yeah, it that should – well – that's one we're going to get into here in, in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk about it plenty. You mentioned 97.1, the fan. 
Our friend Timmy Hall here from hey, the Buckeye Show stopped by uh, the happy hour. Timmy, who is a regular guest, uh, I assume you two know each other, Tim, Bill, yeah. uh, Bill, Tim. Well, yeah. well, I know Bill. I think we still got to catch around to golf. We've we've spoken yeah. on the air several times. We've never actually met in person, so it's good to see your face, buddy. How we doing? Great. Look at that, uh, man, Patrick. You set up that uh, free advertising for them right on. No, I was just saying I enjoy all the hits on ninety-seven-one, and we were talking about how. Rothman asked me this week if Ohio State Michigan would be an elimination game from the playoff standpoint. And I was kind of stuck on the air because I'm thinking, in one sense, yes. Yeah. But in the other sense, I do think it's funny to me that the Ohio State Michigan does not get the same credit. Maybe some of it's for the schedule, but to me, if Georgia loses tomorrow, they may they may have a tough road back in trying to become a playoff team that's just my opinion tennessee's got a little bit more wiggle room because they beat alabama georgia won't yeah. have that their schedule's pretty weak right now outside of oregon it's really interesting isn't it guys because you know i'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the last year maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe they were relevant a time or two in between but the chaotic year in college football where Illinois takes down Ohio State, and somehow Ohio State winds up not just back in the picture, but the number one ranked team. I mean, truly wild, right, that that, that could happen with a late season loss to Illinois, nonetheless. So uh, you wouldn't bet your life on anything, right? Like, that's what, it, that's what it's about in this business. You make these predictions. Pat, you asked the question, like, or, or Anthony asked the question, could it be an, el an elimination game? I, if you put me into a corner today, I would tend to say yes, just because we continually see the SEC teams shuffled up ahead of most of the teams in the other conferences when yes. things appear equal in terms of just straight up win loss record. And then we can mince words on which loss was a better loss, which win was a better win, which conference is deeper. We got we got old Boo Radley sitting up there saying that they don't look, whoa, whoa, we don't look at conferences at all. I'm like, yeah, but you look at teams and those teams are in conferences. So when you're boiling down those individual teams, they are all then in a select conference when you look at it. And the SEC seems to get the benefit of the doubt over the last several years. And I'm not even saying that that's incorrect. When you've won 13 national championships, you're probably going to catch the benefit of the doubt and they're going to groove some of those when we're trying to decide between LSU or UCLA, but when a difference is a loss, chances are that SEC team is going to get the extra credit there. So I, I, I bet it is an elimination game, even if it is like this 50-year matchup where it's two 11 and O's and they're two, you know, it's one versus three or two versus three or whatever it's going to be. I tend to think it is. Well, and I think it depends what happens elsewhere, right? Like if if there's some sorts of chaos, then I maybe it's not as much. But if things kind of go the way we expect, then I imagine that one Big Ten team gets in as opposed to to both of them. Bill, I know you got stuff going on uh, that, that you got to get to. So if you need to hop off, feel free. No, yeah, I was just going to say before I hop off, I got to call with uh, Bobby Carpenter, of course. I talked to, oh, there you go. I, think I just talked to Lank. Yeah, and anytime a Lank, this will be my second Lancaster reference. Anytime one of my <laughs> fellow Lancaster guys calls. Um, although what the first, what was the first Lancaster reference on this uh, pod? I, I referenced William Sherman and Atlanta, and that always gets a lot of, you know, try to, I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, being a Lancaster kid and, and that, but I, well, I looked it up. So real quick, Ohio State has never played a bowl game in Atlanta. The closest you would have to get would yeah. be a couple Citrus Bowl appearances. And I was scrolling down their list of bowl games, and I chuckled at the Alamo, Alamo Bowl game against Les Miles-led Oklahoma State and Vernon, yep. Vernon Morrency. So, um, yeah, they um, – you know, and then tonight, of course, I'm going to put this out there since you guys know me, a big game between Pickerington Central and Pickerington North tonight in the Division One high school playoff. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be broadcasting that game tonight. Yeah. It should be fun, man. You're gonna have, you're gonna see a good one. You're gonna see a lot of good local talent here from Pickerington. So, um, yeah, you guys enjoy incredible. enjoy the game and Patrick enjoy Ch rainy Chicago yep, where yep. the Bears will be coming or the Packers will be there soon. We maybe we'll win. <laughs> so, uh, thanks so much for having me on. I'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate Take it. Care. Next time we'll uh, we'll plan a little better so we can get you on longer. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Uh, see you, Bill. Thanks, man. Timmy. Uh, 
I, I'm sad to see that you have not or heard here that you have not met Bill in person because he's a lot of fun. I, I let off as he got on here saying I haven't seen enough of him this year because being a national guy, he he's doing a lot of stuff. And sometimes it's easier for him to just cover things from home. He used to be when I first really got going on this, he used to be at the press box all the time. So got to see a lot of Bill. But uh, yeah, you, you two need to, to swing some sticks sometimes. I, I hear you both enjoy that. Yeah, we do. We do. I mean, how could I? I don't understand anybody that doesn't love golf. I mean, that's the way I am today. I mean, how could how could you not just gravitate towards a game like that that gets you outside, gets the hand eye coordination going? It's a game that you can play into your elder years. You're not running all over the place. We're not playing softball or even pickup basketball, which I, I like to do that as well. But you could just enjoy a six pack, ride in a cart. I mean, I'm. You think I'm walking? No, I'm not walking. I'm I'm riding in a cart, so it's comfortable. I'm relaxed. The only walking I'm doing is from that driver's seat or the passenger seat going to my ball. That's all I'm doing. Oh, golf. I've had many arguments with my friends who all play golf about why I don't play golf, and they all want me to pick it up, and I'm like, it's at this a point sport. in my life. It is I, no, a it's, sport. It's not that. I just have no interest. Uh, I just I've, – I've done it once. I did it for a bachelor party. It was fine. I don't, you know. Anytime I've played golf with non-golfers, there is a 50% chance that I actually get struck by the golf ball <laughs> by that person. No matter actually, no matter how much in the safe zone I am. I mean, I've, some wild stuff has happened to me, like ball bouncing off of one of the garbage cylinders back into wow. like my legs or someone just shanking one 90 degrees. Right, like right off the, the hosel. Stuff that you don't think could happen. You know, someone hit a wooden sign and the ball rocketed back towards me. It's just, it's insane. Yeah. Like three or four times I've uh, had a golf ball screaming down at me. I actually did okay. Uh, I, I was told at least that it was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was better than I expected. You're a natural athlete, Pat. Mm, natural athletes know. can adjust and adapt and look Look decent playing whatever game, stick sport, ball sport you throw there. I got to say, I love that artwork back there. I mean, they're really filling nice. up that wall there. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's yeah. uh, what, are, what are we in a Ramada or something? We are in a Marriott. Actually, they tried to give Steve and I one bed. And apparently there is a hockey turn, a youth hockey tournament here in Chicago. And so the hotels grouping that we're we're in is filled with hockey families. And so the lady was like, we don't have any rooms. We don't have any rooms. I was like, well, I booked two beds. Like we got to do something here. And she was very nice and was able to get us two beds. So Steve and I don't have to cuddle with each oh, other. Man. Could have been sleeping is, uh... in an electrical room or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of being in Chicago, I don't expect this to be much of a game tomorrow. I imagine you don't expect this to be much of a game tomorrow, but we should give it a few minutes. I think, is there anything about this game that has you interested in the game more than just Ohio State side of it like could you see Northwestern for any reason hanging around or 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 you know do you see the Buckeyes maybe looking down the road is there anything about this game that has you kind of questioning that it won't be 51 to 10 or something along those lines well I think I think a little bit the last part of what you just said there Pat it's just complacency right that's that's really you're getting into the mental aspect of it right now because I mean there isn't a a college football fan, not a Northwestern fan, not a Northwestern donor. Nobody is as Northwestern purple as you are. There isn't anybody that would say that they've got a shot to beat this Ohio State team, to beat this Ohio State team. Yeah. There might be a couple delusional ones that think they're going to, you know, hang within 17 or, you know, maybe 14 and, and take it into the third quarter by some long shot. I, I know in my heart that that's not going to happen. So, so you do just want to see. You want to see Ohio State go and play clean football. Really, that's what that's what you want to see. It's not going to be a raucous or a rabid road environment. So at the very least, you want the formational penalties to be cleaned up. You don't want any illegal formations or illegal shifts. The false starts need to be out of there. The delay of games need to be out of there. Those little things, Pat, I, I got to tell you, I was – I guess I feel like more than most, I was concerned. I was – I was concerned about that. I know it's a road game yeah. at Penn State, but 
that's part of your preparation. Like that's that's part of being a championship team is not letting that happen again and again and again. You're ready for it. You're prepared for it because you already know going in that they are going to be the loudest crowd that you're going to see all season. I know they were able to win the game, right? But let's not pretend like that wasn't in complete danger zone in the fourth quarter. I mean, trailing. And I'm not, in my heart, I'm not even certain how good or if Penn State's a great team. They haven't beaten a ranked opponent. The only other great team they played absolutely demolished them and ran for almost 450 yards on them. So there's some concerns there. So, um, and I know we're not going to get solutions to those concerns that I've got until November 26. That's just a simple fact. So you have a couple of cupcakes. Uh, after this one, you'll have Tom Allen's LEO crew, who's really fallen off the table at Indiana. And then we talked a lot about a, maybe a, a minor trappy kind of game against Maryland. But it, it's all about the Buckeyes right now, Pat. It's all about cleaning things yeah. up, playing your best game. No turnovers. I'd like to see CJ go the rest of the way now without an interception. I think that's another goal that I've got uh, for him. Yeah, I mean, he's got four already, I believe, this year. And I think he had four all of last year. So uh, maybe maybe he had a couple more last year. I could, I'd have to look. But I think the, to your point, the, you know, you mentioned complacency. I think the fact that it's coming off of that game against Penn State kind of guards against that a little bit. What you mentioned that Maryland game, that's the one where I think you could have a little bit of that, especially if they roll these next two weekends. But yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going to be another, you know, of, of most of the games we've seen this season If you know, high state gets out early rolls, you know, as long as you don't turn the ball over and whether it's CJ or anyone else, I think you're, you're going to be pretty comfortable in this one. I expect the stats to, to jump back up what they were you know i imagine this run game is going to really get going again because i i just don't see the way northwestern can stop it let me ask you something pat because we we were discussing northwestern football a little bit on the air this week because hey why not we've had a little bit of history with them we've met them in the big 10 championship game they are they are definitely a unique program one would have to give them that with how they have spiked. They've had some pretty good success for who they are. I I got to tell you, you know, if my son were a, a big-time football player, I, I'm not, like, sitting here to say I would steer him away from Ohio State, but you talk about a, a Harvard type of institution academically, right, yep. that gets to play in the Big Ten and has their athletics in one of the, the best conferences in all of America. So they've got – They've got incredible opportunity to, you know, like, and, and I know they're not the only one, like we can debate, we can talk about Notre Dame, even though they're independent, they're not in a big conference, but to be also in proximity to Chicago within an L train ride of being in one of the biggest cities in America yeah, and with all the connections you could make, if you, whatever kind of life you want to go into, whether that's sports, broadcasting, the business world, you know, finance, like it's all right there in Chicago. So it's, it's a really unique program and I've I've always I've always looked at them and 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 wondered, you know, could they ever make more of a consistent switch into being you know, one of those 8 to 10 win programs. They've shown they can do it, but the consistent switch is something that not many programs can pull off. I'd say yeah. the you know, TCU with Gary Patterson achieved that coming from pretty much a a regular old program to then dominating a mountain West and then even elevating to a new conference. And then they kept that going for a while. Baylor after being a doormat made a switch. And of course there was, you know, there was some reasons behind that one when you see what our Bryles was all about, but I do, uh, I I wonder what's your, what's your take on them, Pat? Do you think they could ever, you know, make the move? Cause Pat Fitzgerald is obviously having a rough go of it this, this year and last season. Yeah, I think it's just harder in a sport like football where, like in basketball, you can get a guy or two, you know, you, you work hard, you recruit the guy or two, you can that, can, that can build for a year, maybe two years, you go on to you next recruiting class, and I feel like you can get momentum that way quicker. With football, because of how big the teams are and the physicality of the sport, I think it's tough. I also think academically it's, it's hard. I mean, you look even at a Notre Dame who, you know, you, you put Notre Dame in the Big Ten year after year, is that 
I mean, not that they've been consistently nationally relevant in terms of college football playoff and stuff, but you know, that's a program with a lot of history that's not doing a ton with it because of the academics. A lot of a lot, you know, to to get into Notre Dame, even if you're going on a football scholarship, it's tough. So yeah, I mean, I think you've seen Northwestern with you mentioned those spikes, the every other year making the Big Ten championship. I think that's probably the ceiling for this this program um i think it would take a lot to really jump up and become a a consistent big 10 team um at a school that has those those academic standards and you know probably i mean they've obviously put more resources into football recently if you haven't seen i know you tweeted out the other day Mm. that picture from their uh practice facility it's it's fantastic how incredible is that yeah i tried the last time we were out here i reached out to them about going out to uh to see the facility while we were here and uh i did not hear back until after i was back in columbus but and they also said no but uh i've seen pictures i've talked to people that have been there and it uh it looks fantastic i don't know you know but i don't know if that alone they're they're supposed to be creating a new stadium that also looks awesome it's going to be a smaller stadium yeah but i don't know if that enough is to to get the recruiting going because we know how important that can be you know, maybe if they could land a quarterback or two in a row, that starts to jumpstart the offense a little bit. You know, Pat Fitzgerald and his staff are defensive guys that, that can do some things there. I don't know. I just don't see much beyond what they've been able to accomplish the last yeah. you know, five or and, six and, years. And Pat's interesting from one Pat to another. You're you're interesting, yeah, right. too. But, you know, not, Pat not Fitzgerald – I don't know if you heard us talking about it on on some of the shows in the last week or two, but I hit on this a couple of times. Pat went with one of the old tired excuses after you know he was being questioned by his local media. I was watching him one of the midweek press conferences. This was before Ohio Ohio State week, week or two back, and he went with the old uh, I you know I feel sorry for all you guys in the Twitter sphere. And someone had asked him about that, so to his credit and. Someone had the reporter had said that it was a hobby of his to follow things being said on social media, like almost all of us do part of our jobs who are in the media and just, you know, sharing content with people that, you know, listen to our shows or people that are interested in the sport. It's a good content stream for getting information. I mean, I I think anybody would have to recognize that even a Pat Fitzgerald, but he uh, he followed that up by saying, oh, I feel sorry for all you guys that have to pay attention to that stuff by saying, you know, I got a great idea. How about we create a a business where, you know, you and me, he was talking to the reporter, you and me, we could go to people's jobs and then we can criticize them. And, you know, that, that could be a whole lot of fun. And it's like, come, come on, Pat, you really like, you're smarter than that. You know, that's not how that works. I'll, I, I agree to do that. Yes, I agree. You can come here, yell at me, criticize me. The only drawback is we switch salaries. That's the only thing. Oh, you you take, you take your salary. salary. I'll take all that heat and criticism you speak of, and then you can have my radio station salary, and you only get like a few, a few emails or, or, or uh, you know, Twitter messages a month, and <laughs> see how you like that. But it, for for so long, it was Pat Fitzgerald could not be touched, and I mean, losing. If you continue to lose, we know that that's never going to be the case. I, I think he's always been given that ability to rebound from a bad season but if one bad season turns to two and then turns to three then i would expect northwestern might have to do something and i really don't have any idea at this stage who a a big time candidate you know who the next guy would be i don't know if that guy's on staff right now they don't feel to me pat like they have a jim leonard who's there that kind of everyone knows they really like the guy so yeah it's just they're just one of those programs where they're just in the Big Ten. Even though they can be good every few years, you're never too concerned about them. Yeah, I started off, and I'm going to get back to what you said in a second. I started off the show, I know you weren't on yet, but saying how because we just got to to Chicago, I was drinking water for the first time on the podcast. Hellwagon came through. He's got some beer. So uh, happy hour can continue here. I didn't want to let down the people that, uh, you know, come here to watch me drink beer in the middle of the day. I know that you're one of them. Uh, Going back to to your point, I think if there's one guy on the staff, maybe defensive coordinator Jim O'Neill. Ryan Day talked about him this week and how they work together in the NFL. He's got experience there. 
But honestly, I think if if you were to change from uh, from Pat Fitzgerald, I think you got to go out and find somebody who you know brings some some excitement. Um, you know, and if you can get a name, maybe one of those up and coming coaches in in the MAC, do what Minnesota did, go get a PJ Fleck, and not that that's worked out great, but somebody like that. That would, what about a Jason Candle? You yes, mentioned the MAC. Yeah guy that's in right. Northwest Ohio at Toledo and he's doing a, a pretty darn nice job there from what I can see. I think they're always always above 500 and we know you got to take the records with a grain of salt because most of those MAC programs they beat themselves up in the non-conference. I mean like you saw they played Ohio State on the road, they ain't winning that game. And a lot of them you'll see play multiple Big 10 or SEC schools in a non-conference slate. And then they're even their really good teams are usually 0 and 3 or 1 and 3 going into conference play. And you look at the scoreboard and you're like, oh man, these teams really suck. And then they wind up being pretty good by the time the year is over. They just don't have that right. pretty 10 and 2 record unless right. you throw a PJ Fleck Western Michigan season out there and he was able to do it. Yeah, I think it's somebody like that. Or like, you know, not that he would leave, especially now, but is there a Luke Fickle out there? You know, obviously Cincinnati, he's, I think he's pretty entrenched there right now, unless Ohio state comes calling, but, and they're also going to the big 12. So he doesn't have a reason to jump, jump ship. But is there somebody like that in, in a group of five conference that's, that's kind of made a name for themselves and is looking for that next step. Um, we've talked a lot more Northwestern than I anticipated. So that's, that's actually probably a good thing. You mentioned a couple of the things that, that you we're not happy with from the Penn state game. And I want to go back on some of that because that was such a big game. What was the biggest issue in your mind that, that kept that game closer than, than it could have been? What, what stood out as number one that you need fixed before Ohio state plays Michigan in a few weeks? Other, other than all the miscues and, and no, that can be, penalty, what, penalties you know, what on was yourself? the I, well, I, I I do think you know now that now that you bring that up again, uh, the other thing that would be on my mind is that interior offensive line play, and you know I know I know they're yeah. stacking the box against you, but if they do stack the box against you, just go to that passing game earlier, you know, get away from running those bubble screens and get the ball up the field to Marvin and Emeka and, and Cade Stover as well. Like they were eventually able to find just a, a an abundance of success, you know, in that second half in that fourth quarter as well. But the the fact that you couldn't get that run game going until the bitter end, and you saw what the rival was able to do against that same defense running the football. Mayan is important for me. I mean, I think all of us have grown really fond of that dude and the way he runs and the heart and the hustle and the break tackle ability that he has. So the fact that he did that, the fact that he averted a, a more serious injury, I think that's major for this team. And I, I gotta see that offensive line hit another level. Maybe yeah. that's what I just want to see tomorrow. Pat is that them just blow Northwestern right off the football and just create yards of space for the running backs right off the snap of the football. Don't care what kind of defensive front, like it should be tomorrow should be one of those kinds of games where you don't care what they're bringing up into the box. You will run it on them anyway, because your dudes are bigger and more physical. You need to get back to having a nasty edge. I, I hope that this team has that. I mean, that, that I'd be shocked if they didn't considering, you know, how that emotion is going to come rushing back to them when we get to the week of the game, considering they lost it. But it's something I'd like to see. Yeah, the run game is something that I've I've been looking at it a lot. I've been talking to people this week that, look, I, I didn't grow up playing football. I, I've studied it quite a bit over the last several years as I've been, um, you know, covering this. And I, I think there's a, there's a lot of different things that, uh, you know, we can talk about. And Tim, once you jump off here, I'm going to dive into it a lot more. But Here's yeah. one thing I think that I that I want to point out. Yes, you need to be a more balanced team when you play good teams. But in the last two games where teams have stacked the box and not been able to run the ball, still scored 54 and 44 points. Like this is an offense. Now, I, you can't get as one-dimensional as they did at times last year. But look at like the Buffalo Bills, for instance. They don't run the ball much because they have talented in the past game. 
you need to be able to run the ball in certain instances and you need to be able to do it effectively in the red zone, in short yarded situations. And I know Ryan Day talks about being a balanced offense and he talked about it on the radio show this week, 250 and 250. Ohio State's not 250-250. It's just they don't do it. In big games, Ryan Day throws the ball. They ha- that's their best avenue to win. And, you know, it's a, it's a different than what Ohio State used to be. And you saw it last week. When, when they got going, it was because C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. connected, and then Cade Stover got involved. In the, you know, that was when the offense started to roll. If they, can, uh, if they can just get the running game strong enough to, to do what it was doing earlier in the season against inferior teams and then hitting those important situations. I think that's when it's most important. I don't, I don't think you need to be a, a top 25 rushing attack with this offense because, because it's built to pass with the receivers, with the quarterback, with an offensive line that frankly is better at pass blocking than they, in it, they are at run blocking. Um, but I do think you know in these games, you want to get that confidence back and you want to be able to run against Michigan for sure when you need to be able to run against Michigan. I guess that's my thought on on what what this offense has to do rushing the ball. Yeah, I'm I'm with you Pat. I just I don't I don't know. When you are when you're much much better, what would you rather be much much better at? Would you rather lean towards dominant run or dominant pass? And we could probably do a deep analytical dive oh, yeah. on that and find out which types of teams. Say you have a really, really good defense. Typically, teams that have a really dominant defense would then lean heavier on the run because they yeah. would want to uh, play that ball control. And that's like, like the Baltimore Ravens, right? With a running quarterback. They throw when they really need to throw. They like to hit Mark Andrews in the tight end game, and you know, not enough this year because he's on not the enough. fantasy team. No, not, no, you're, you're right, good. you're right. But I just I I find myself wondering what I'd rather have, you know, like as far as the lean, like when the games get down to the bitter end, because being able to just dominate a team up front, which is why I don't want to. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I hear you. The balance is not going to be 250-250. It's more about what the yard per carry is. It's more about when you run. Yeah. When you run, there's no reason with these players that you have and that line, there's no reason why you shouldn't kick ass doing it. That's yeah. that thing. It should be no 2.2 days. There should be no, you know, 3.1 days, especially if you are – you know, having the box stacked against you and you're going to throw for, you know, 450 yards, then if you're able to find that success in the passing game over and over again, you either just, you should just keep doing it, right? Throw for 500 or throw for 550 or six if you got the elite quarterback and they simply will not defend those seams or whatever they're not defending in the past game. But when you do choose to go to run, then it's it's got to be effective. That's yes. that's the thing yes. that, that I'm yep. thinking about. Because you've got mine, you've got Travion, you've got these dominant horses up front. And when you do see how like the run blocking just doesn't like it's like they're better at pass blocking than they are run blocking. Why? Why? Ask yeah. Jim Lachey about that. That that doesn't make sense. Pass blocking sucks. Run blocking is fun. Like that's right. what that's what's fun for those dude movers up front. For sure. And I do think you got to give credit to the opponent. They're looking at it and saying, okay, we can't stop the passing attack. They're going to get their passing. So let's try and stop the rush and then go from, you know, work in to out defensively, I think is the way teams, the last two teams, Penn State and Iowa have approached, have approached it to, uh, to slow things down. And, you know, it's worked a little bit, I guess, but, you know, 54 and 44 points is, is what they've given up. So I don't know. I think we could do a whole podcast on that. I know you've got stuff going on. I don't want to hold you up. You can get out of here. I'm going to ramble about running the football a little bit more here, but uh, thank you for jumping on. I uh, I do appreciate it as always. And uh, you got to talk with, with Bill Bender. So it's a good day, I think for you. Yeah. But you don't have, you don't have beer. I don't have beer. I've got iced coffee though. And I get to, I get to go outside and take a little field trip for work today. So Ooh. we'll do We'll do our Buckeye show at six o'clock from the stadium, from Tiger Stadium nice. in Pickerington. Classic battle, and 
I always love doing that game, Pat, because you you probably have a Buckeye. You'll probably have an NFL dude who's on that field. That's just the way it's gone here lately. You got uh, Ty Hamilton and uh, Sonny Styles. Sonny Styles now. And yeah. you've got Jack Sawyer, obviously. And I might be missing one. Uh, I might be missing another uh, Pick North guy from from recently. But I know Duran Grant, we had him on the show last night. He's coaching for Pick North now. Is he? Nice. Yeah, he's coaching DBs. And I'm didn't one of the tremendous. offensive didn't like Billy Price or one of one of those guys who played guard and then center, uh, Pat Elfine, wasn't one of them from Pickerington? I don't know yeah. which and there's one there, of them did. There really has been a lot. There really yeah. has. And yeah. I the one thing that uh, their coach Jay Sherritt reminded me of is uh, Vrabel's defensive coordinator right now is uh dude with the thick uh beard yeah yeah he's only like 36 years old he's he's a, a pick central grad guy? like a oh, 05 nice. or a 06 pick central grad and laurie schmidt formerly of 97.1 yes. fan yeah. who of the most famous one of all yeah exactly exactly well you enjoy that um have fun i will be in chicago i'm not even sure what we're doing tonight but um uh, sure we'll get into something all right my man all right. Thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Take it easy, Pat. All right. Thanks again, to Tim Hall. He's been our regular guest here on the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We're going to talk a little bit more. We probably won't go a full hour like we usually do because I'm behind schedule on some things because of the, the traveling today. But uh, I do want to dive back into the run game and some of the comments Ryan Day made this week. Like I said, when I was talking with Tim, I looked into it. I went back and watched some of the runs from last week. I talked to people who know more about football than I do, you know, to try and learn and, and try and be able to explain it a little bit better. And I think there's a number of, of reasons why the run game hasn't been as effective the last two games as it has been the rest of the season, because it really has been good. I mean, you look at the numbers, Ohio State's I'm pulling them up here. Ohio State's been not, you know, a top rushing team in the country, but right now they're ranked 34th overall with 191.5 yards per game. And that's after these last two games. So as I said with Tim, I think it's, it's situational running that Ohio State needs to be at its best doing. And that's red zone. That's short yardage. But if you look at what didn't go well last week, a couple of things stood out to me. First, the right side of Ohio State's offensive line. And you can even throw Luke Whipler in there. Um, I know there were there was at least a couple examples that I saw going around where, where he doesn't help on a block with Matthew Jones. Look, I, I don't know how injured Matthew Jones is. He's He's talked this year about that he's playing through some things. And I wonder if, if it wouldn't be a good idea to let him sit these next couple weeks when you probably won't need him against a team like Northwestern or a team like Indiana. Now I'm not at practice. I don't know how good a guy like Enoch Viamahe or, or whoever it would be that would step in at right guard. But I think there's, there's just been some issues on that side of the line and, and, and at right guard in particular. And I think Matthew Jones is very talented, but he's, he just seems to not be quite at the level that, I think he can play. And a few of those runs last last week against Penn State were, were blown up in the backfield because of the blocking on that right side, including Luke Whipler. Um, I also think that Penn State was able to read a lot of what Ohio State was doing. And Ryan Day was questioned about this, and, and credit to, to Bill Landis, formerly athletic, now with rivals, for pushing Ryan Day a little bit and you know, asking him, is it ever wise, because there were the numbers out there that every time Ohio State was under center, they ran the ball. Um, was it wise to do anything 100% of the time? Because Ryan said to, to another reporter that, you know, the, the question really isn't why they're doing it every time, but if it's working, why aren't they doing it more? He was talking specifically about the pistol formation, which is what Ohio State does to kind of el eliminate, because when you play at a shotgun and you're running the ball, running back lines up to one side of the quarterback. It's usually, you know, if he's on the quarterback's right, you're usually running the ball to the left. And, and there are some plays counters and, and the toss plays and, and other things like that, that are exceptions to that. But for the most part, the defense can kind of tell where the running back's going if you're running the ball to shotgun. So the pistol changes things a little bit. You can't tell because 
the running backs lined up behind the quarterback. And I think, and, and I think Ryan Day's even said this, Trayvon Henderson likes to be behind the quarterback and, and get a little bit momentum instead of just taking the ball on, on the shotgun stuff. So, but the, the, the point of it was doing everything hundred percent of the time. And, and Ryan Day said, you know, he thinks that if it's working, if it's being effective, then yes, they want to keep doing that. I mean, if it, if it is effective, I think then, then there is justification there. I just think you look at the last two weeks, it hasn't been um, what Ohio state hasn't done. There hasn't been a lot of play action out of that the last two weeks. The the some of the other stuff that they've been able to do, they haven't gotten to. And, and even some of the plays that have worked. And there were some good running plays last week. I mean, let's not forget that, that Travion Henderson had two rushing touchdowns. He had the big, I think it was a 41-yard rushing touchdown. So there are things that are working there, but maybe they're just not doing them as much. I know we we talked with Marcus Hartman um coming back from Penn State last week, and he said Ohio State should should run power a lot more. And Marcus is a guy who I think knows quite a bit about football markets from, from the Dayton daily news. Um, and that's something that Michigan did to Penn state. And look, Penn state obviously had weeks between that Michigan game and Ohio state to, to get better and focus on what didn't go well. So I think give them credit for doing that. They also shut down Minnesota's run, which has been pretty good, but you know, I think, I think going back to what I was saying of the right side of the offensive line, these issue, I also think Travion Henderson needs to be better. And I think, his and if you go back and watch a lot of his runs this year the vision is not where it needs to be in terms of where to hit on a certain play and and a lot of times you know yes there's there's the where the play is designed to go but sometimes you just got to make a play as a running back and I think Travion Henderson in high school and even maybe some last year and I'd have to go back and really watch some of his best runs last year excuse me but I think that he needs to be more aware of where he's got to go because there were too many times last week where maybe if he bounces it outside or if he sees a crease quicker, then you've got a big gain. And instead he, he doesn't seem to, to recognize that maybe until it's too late. We've seen a number of times this year, him fall down and you know, you can, it's hard to tell from watching on TV or from watching the press box where his head is, what he's he do 